Ephesians chapter 1. Let's look at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus. Now, we remember that Ephesus is in the area of Turkey. It's one of the seven churches in Revelation that we talked about. And, uh, you know, it, it's a good location. They're, they've got a lot of great things going on. Paul has been there. Now he's writing to them to encourage them, to help them understand who they are in Christ. So it's really encouragement from the Holy Spirit. He says to them, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Somebody say amen. amen. Paul's telling them we get every spiritual blessing. Isn't that good? And the good thing about every spiritual blessing is a lot of it is resting in heaven. We're not going to receive our full reward until we get there. Somebody say amen. Some of you are like, well, man, I want God to do this. I want God to do that. I want God to do that. And he can do those things. But you have to remember, it's all about serving Christ and taking others to heaven. And there you're going to see all the rewards. Not that you're in it for rewards, but there are spiritual rewards there for you, which is really kind of uh, an awesome thing to think about. Let's keep reading here. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chooses us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to praise, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time now Paul is notorious for having run-on sentences this is just one continuous run-on sentences he's got I mean he's just going at it you remember he wrote this whole letter to him the whole book to them it's just he's just going strong and hitting it hard in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith, I like this part because he's telling them now why he's so excited. For this reason, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, 
having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and sealed him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but in the one to come, and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So, Lord, help us not only to be hearers of your word, help us to become doers. Let us take it in and help us to walk it out to produce fruit. Because truly, Lord, that's what you have for us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I was talking with a pastor this week, and he was telling me he's got some turmoil in his church because two of the young people that grew up in the church that got married, um, he's working a job at a place where they work kind of a crazy shift, and he's a good guy. They have a couple of children, but because he's gone and working so much, and they're in their early 30s, his wife ended up having an affair. And the person she's having the affair with is a very wealthy married man. And she's had abandonment issues as a teenager for years. Not justifying what she's done, but she got pregnant. So now they've divorced. A child has come forth, and lo and behold, the man she had the affair with wants nothing to do with marriage or anything like that, but he still wants to see her. And he said, I wrote her a long text about not giving up on your marriage. And I wrote the husband a long text about not giving up on your marriage. What is it with people that we think a few moments of pleasure or gratifying the flesh is going to make us happy? Those same problems you had in your marriage are going to follow you into the next situation. I promise you within five years they'll all come out again. It may look greener over there, but you still got to mow that pasture. You still got to fertilize it. You still got to harvest. There's stuff that will come. And he's begging them to try to make their marriage work because it has it devastated the entire church. And I think of Paul talking to the Ephesians saying, I love your faith. I love that you love one another. We are to love one another. Amen? But there are times we have to call sin, sin. Amen? Not just times. You have to call it. You speak the truth in love. And sometimes people do not like being called out in their sin. 
And he was telling me, he said, now the husband has found himself another woman. And it's getting more and more complicated. But he said, I just wanted them both to know that Jesus still loves them. I'm here to help them work on their marriage. Don't give up on Jesus because he's not giving up on you. And I think that that could apply to a lot of people in their lives. This book that we're going to dive into here is all about who you are in Jesus. It's about identity in Christ. If you've taken Socom, you've learned some great things there. But Paul starts off with saying, I want you to know some spiritual blessings that you have, that you get. You get to look at. We tend to forget who we are in Christ. We tend to start looking back at our past and our failures. One of the biggest battles in the church is people not only learning about forgiveness, but learning how to forgive themselves. I mean, every year I try to do at least one message on forgiveness. And sometimes when you forgive somebody, you can say, I forgive you, and you verbally forgive them, but it takes years to trust them. You ever been there? It takes years to trust them. So let's look at the first two verses there. Ephesians 1, 1 and 2, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in in Ephesus, and are faithful in Christ Jesus. I mean, that Paul's going to talk a little bit later. That gets him excited when he sees faithful people. As a parent, when you see your children being faithful, honoring you, doing the right, don't you get excited about that? And when you see them not doing that, you can have another reaction, Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to just extend grace to others and ask for God to give them peace. I mean, we've seen all week this whole thing playing out in the House of Representatives and, you know, the drama and all this stuff. And see, what's happening here is the fruit of some of this leadership is coming out. The lying, the snaking around making deals behind closed doors. And all these 20 wanted was don't go behind closed doors and sign off on a bill that you give us 24 hours to look at that's over 4,000 pages. And you've put stuff in there that the American people don't know what it is. Don't sign. We want to be in that room. In other words, all they were saying was let's be held accountable. Man, I'm just not sure about people from California. <laughs> it's where all my wife's family's from, so maybe. No. 
We are residents of heaven and have been adopted into the kingdom of God. Somebody say, praise the Lord. What do we struggle with? What do we struggle with? Doubt? Circumstances? Somebody, somebody shout out. What do you struggle with? Give me somebody over here. What do you struggle with? Taylor, Goldman, be transparent. Anxiety. Somebody over here, what do you struggle with? Come on, be, be real. Selfishness. Shall mm. I just lay out all your sins here? What? No, no, no. <laughs> Somebody over here, what do you struggle with? What? Addiction. Mike, what? Confidence. Yeah, insecurity. Right here. Somebody. Worry. How about stress? All this stuff. Rejection, self-control. How about pride? Somebody, somebody talk to you about something and all of a sudden your pride gets in the way. It's my way. I'm in charge of this. I can do Come on. You're supposed to be dying to self daily. That's what led the devil astray, pride. How about just our flesh? How about just our eating? Oh, I'm so glad those holidays are over. My wife puts candy everywhere. I'm like, please pick it up, get rid of it, move it out. It's still laying there. And I walk by and he goes, Owen, Owen, touch me, hold me, oh, taste me. You see what that stuff does? Some of you religious people, come on, be real. Just one more. What about peer pressure? All this stuff that we go through, we tend to believe the lie that we're helpless, and the old self rises up, and then we walk out misery. Misery. I remember being in middle school, and everybody was like, what are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do with your life? What decision are you going to make? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. And then you get into high school, and they're like, hey, you've got to set a course of the type of classes you want. What are you going to do? I don't know. And I remember my counselor looking at me, young man, you need to make a decision. I'm not sure. And I remember her looking at me my sophomore year, and she said, I see a lot of really good things in you, but I see no direction in you. And I just felt a tear slide down my cheek. And I looked at her, and I said, I've just lived in chaos my whole life, so I don't know what it means to have a lot of direction. I'm just glad for the next day and the next week. And I wasn't being fake. I was being real. That's all I knew. And she said, well, we're going to set a course, and I'm going to help you. Her name was Mrs. Brown. 
She was a, 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 a black lady who was a counselor at Jeff High School, and she's the best thing that ever happened to me. She walked me through stuff, and then when I graduated, she presented me with a scholarship to Purdue University that she applied for for me, just had me sign, got to hold my mom, and she said, you just be here on this night because you have an award coming. I said, I shouldn't get an award. <laughs> and they called me up, and they gave it to me, and she gave me a big hug, and I'm like, I remember her hugging me. How can this be? Thank God for people in school that care about students, amen? That want to make a way. There would be no doubt in my mind that that woman was a born-again believer in Jesus. She didn't have to tell me, but she set the pace. As we look at the book of Ephesians... As we look at the author being Paul, Paul is an apostle here by the will of God. You know, we got people calling themselves apostles all over today. You know what? Praise God. We got Apostle Sherry. We got Apostle Freddie. You know, everybody, do you understand the calling of an apostle and the price? I think sometimes it... it it behooves us to be careful what we title ourselves. Because people look for titles when God says, just be who I created you to be. Amen? Paul, an apostle by the will of God. Not by the church. Not by some vote. Not by some academic program. Not self-appointed. It was a calling from Jesus. Why is that important? If you're not sure of your calling and your gifting, it's going to be a real problem to have your identity. So if you're a teenager today, I get it. I know how hard it is. All I will tell you is keep praying, keep trusting, and let God direct your steps even when you're not sure what the next step is. He can do that. But mark this, at age 17, many times God reveals to you, just like he did Joseph, just like he did David, there's something about that age of 17 where God really springs forth a direction if you'll stay in tune with him. So you're not chosen by others, but by God. You see, Paul never looked at his calling as a job. He looked at it as a calling. He was called. We're called to be believers, amen? To walk it out. And if God calls you into something, you can trust him to help you in that something. I remember my old buddy Jay Covert, he goes, if it's God's will, he's going to foot the bill. <laughs> and he travels the country raising money for inner city churches. But he's like, if it's God's will, he's going to foot the bill. 
There's truth in that. If it's God's will, she's going to train you or throw you over the hill. <laughs> I'm just thinking about marriage. Look at verse number three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That is so cool. That's a verse in your Bible you need to underline to remind you of the first blessing that Paul talks about. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. You see, in the Old Testament, there was a lot of physical blessings. Obey the, old, obey the Ten Commandments and this will happen. If you can't obey, you know, this is going to happen. There was always... You know, if you'll do this, I'll provide this. But in the New Testament, we get spiritual blessings. And to help us out, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. How many are always grateful when God does a healing? Amen. How many know that God doesn't always heal? Amen. If you hear preaching that everybody's going to be healed, mm, no. How many know that at times God chooses to work through doctors? Amen? If you don't believe me and you've got a bad tooth, just go see Rachel. And she'll pray for you and just send you out of the office. How many know that's, that's not going to work? Amen? I went with a guy hunting, and he had his tooth cracked and fell, and he was out of state, so he couldn't get to his dentist, and he was in severe pain, and I just kept my distance <laughs> because he was mean at that time, and I prayed from a distance, and it got really intense. I thought, should we just go back to Indiana? No. How many know when you're in pain, it's hard to think straight? Oh, my mind wanders. Don't say that. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're not a pain to me. Tell him that. Even though God doesn't heal in every situation, I'm going to ask for him to. I'm going to believe the Lord to do that. I'm going to trust in him to do that. Second point, we are set apart for, why are we set apart? What is it we're set apart for? We are set apart for holiness. Oh, isn't that thrilling? Oh, I'm so excited. That was it? Holiness? Yeah. God is working on us. The Holy Spirit's working. We are set apart for holiness. Because as you grow closer to Christ, you become more attractive in the kingdom of God. There's a lot of truth with that. 
We're set apart for holiness. Verse 4, we are be holy, blameless. We've been chosen. You were chosen, and you are not an accident. You're not a bother. He loves you so much. And then he goes on to say, you have been predestined. Oh, my gosh. I, I forgot about this verse being in there. I thought, oh, no. I got to talk about predestination. That's caused more church splits, more denominational splits. Whoa. I thought I'd skip it. All right. No, we'll get to it here in a moment. Look at Jeremiah 31, verses 31 and 32. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Talking about, okay, they're under the Old Testament, but at some point, there's a new covenant coming. As that, that covenant is under Christ. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. So there's a new covenant that, that talks about that spiritual aspect of coming to know Christ. God exists outside of time. God doesn't live in time. He was, he is, he always will be. He sees the beginning from the end. There's not time, and this is hard for us to comprehend, but this is what's going to help with, with this predestination. Verse. Because people say, well, they were predestined. And I'm a Calvinist, they say, which means I believe it's all been done when it comes to salvation. Who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved? Now, that is a tough view to stay on. It's a tough view to keep defending. Because they were predestined. And what they're really saying is, God fixed it. It's been fixed. And I remember a famous 